As you can see in the title of our lesson, Boldness for Him. I don't know of any other time in the history of man that I've been alive in my life that we needed people to be bold for Jesus. As was just prayed a moment ago, to be bold. And my hopes this morning through this lesson is to be able to help us be bold for Christ. And be bold not only in our own personal lives, but also in the places that we go in our lives, also in our families, to be able to have families that are bold for Christ, and to understand and know that boldness for Christ will be rewarded. And we need to understand that, and we need to believe that with all our heart, that we can be bold like the apostles, and that we can stand for what's right. This morning, in the very beginning, I would ask the question, how would you define boldness? <clears throat> Some think that it's something like, something that's shocking, boy, Whatever just happened or whatever someone just said or did, that is bold. And that might be one way of describing it. But let me just share with you this morning that biblical boldness is the courage to teach or stand for the truth without fear of those around you or what might happen as a result. Now think about that. Let me say it again. Biblical boldness is the courage to teach or to stand for the truth without fear of those around you or what might happen as a result. This morning I asked a question are you and I willing to be bold in our Christian life? Not to really do something shocking, as some would describe it, which it would be shocking if one does stand for the truth, but the courage to teach, the courage to come out of our comfort zone and stand for the truth, without that fear of those around us. As I prepared this lesson, I thought about our brethren in India, how bold they must continue to be to even stand and, and teach and preach and have their gospel meeting that they had after those radicals had come in and beaten them. You know, we're not experiencing that right here yet. But I'm going to be honest with you, we just might do it. And are we going to be bold enough to stand for the truth? As you see the text this morning in Acts chapter 4, we have the apostles here, and, and later on down we see Peter and, and John had to be bold 
in verse 12 and in those areas, that's first three verses there, 11, 12, and 13. They had to be bold in what they said and what they did. They had to have courage. But understand the context here that the Sadducees had come upon them. And they're, they're going to lay hands on them. They're going to see that uh, they have uh, had a miracle. You go back to uh, chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10, and you see that miracle of the lame man healed. Because later on in chapter 4, you're going to see him standing with them, one who has been made whole. But they're pressing them. And in verse 7, it was read just a moment ago in Acts 4, it says, when they had set them in the midst of them. I can imagine them sitting in the middle of the council or in the middle of the floor, the room. And they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then we read in verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto him. And I want you to look. Boldness in the presence of others. Look who they're talking to here. These men were unfazed by the men of authority questioning them. Notice what Peter replies here in 8 through verse 12. Filled with the Holy Ghost, he said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And this man that I'm telling you about, the one you crucified, this is the stone which was set at the, at the knot of you builders, which has become the head of a corner. Now watch it in verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter and John had to be bold here. They said a lot just in those few words, didn't they? They were not afraid to speak up. They were not afraid to be noticed and, and, and direct his message to those who are in authority the rulers of the people. And he told them, he says, let it be known unto you. You need to understand. You need to comprehend what we're saying. This is the stone that you rejected. This is the one you murdered. And by his name and under his authority do we these things. And you know, I know Peter, Peter had to throw in there about the church. He says, there's no other name that you can be saved under than Jesus Christ. And you know he went on to the fact to say, there's no other church that you can be a part of and be saved. Now that's contrary to what the world will teach you today. The world today will teach you that there are many churches. 
There are many ways to go to heaven. But you know what? There's only one way, and that's through the blood of Christ and through the words written in this Bible. And I'm going to tell you, if it's not found in this Bible, we don't need to fool with it. You know Peter had to go back to Matthew 16 and verse 18 when he said there, and our Lord asked Peter, and the words are in red, go read it for yourself. He told him, he said, Peter, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Now you have to look at that and use some common sense. Who's talking there in Matthew 16? It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Therefore our Lord says, I'm going to build my church. That church come to fruition in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. When those men and brethren heard that great sermon there, and they had, were called murderers, they were pricked in their hearts, and they asked, what shall we do to be saved? There are people today who will tell you that you must not be baptized to be saved. That is no further than the truth, and I'm not even standing here now. That's further from the truth than what the truth is. You do not have to be baptized to be saved. You are saved at the point that you accept him as your personal savior and you, and you pray this prayer or whatever the case may be. I'm in a study with a young lady right now. She says, what is the difference between the Baptist church and the church of Christ? She come to my desk and said, what's the difference? And boy, when she said that, I'd open the door. And I mean, that, that opened the door and I didn't quit. I quit exactly what I was doing. And I said, let me tell you, this is the difference. She said, a lot of people say there's not any difference. Yes, there is. Go compare it to the Bible. A whole lot of difference. But on that day, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, they said, men and brethren, in verse 37, says, what shall we do to be saved? Peter told them, didn't he? Repent and be baptized. What does the scripture say? Baptism doth now save us. Just as it did, the ark saved the people in the days of Noah, 1 Peter 3. Just as the Ethiopian eunuch was saved in Acts chapter 8 when they were reading with him and, and Philip had joined himself into his chariot and they was reading from the book of Isaiah and he, he asked, he asked uh, Philip, he says, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? says nothing about uh, Philip saying, now say this prayer with me, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and then we'll baptize you when it's, when it's not as hot. But we'll baptize you to, uh, next week when we get three or four more together so we don't have to take time to just do them in a bit. He said right then they stopped the chariot, went down into the water, and they were baptized, or he was baptized. You see... Peter had to have that boldness to speak in public to tell them they had rejected the Messiah. And these men were unfazed by those things. Boldness in public. Let us have boldness in public. Some argue that he was bold because he had the miraculous gift of the Spirit. You know, let me ask you today, should we be any less bold today? We do have all of the inspired word of God. 
Scripture says that we have everything that we need unto godliness to know how to live for Him. We just need to love God enough to be bold in our stance against unrighteousness and ungodliness. We must be willing to stand for what is godly in public and in private. What others want to do is uh, is up to them, but as followers of Christ, we must follow God and His Word and encourage others to do the same. Acts 4 and, and, and 19 and 20 speaks to that. For we can uh, but not speak the things which we have been have seen and heard. So when they had heard further threaten them, uh, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorify God for that which, which was done. They knew there was no other way. No other person could do that unless God be with them. They had the boldness in the presence of others. We too must be willing to stand for what is godly, godly in public and private. You see, being bold means speaking the truth in private Bible studies. Being bold means speaking the truth in private to family and, and to friends. We never need to give up as long as their breath is in people. We never need to give up. Being bold and speaking the truth. In Matthew 10, verses 37 and 38, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You see, there's something we have to do. Take up your cross and follow me. We have to deny our families. He says, don't love. I'm not saying that we don't have a relationship with them. I'm saying that we, we, we have to love God more than them. I can remember my, I've told this story before. My mother, I said, I love you more than anything. And she would always correct me and she would say, you love God more than you love me. I love you, you're my mother, but you love God and Jesus more than you love me. Always. And see, there's truth in that because if my mother and father or whoever went astray and went back into the world, I could still love them and pray for them, but I couldn't follow them. Be boldness, having boldness in the presence of others and being bold in public. Point number two, boldness for our families and for Christ. Boldness in our daily life and for our families. Acts chapter 4 and verses 1 through 4 is read just a moment ago. Speaks to this thought. Being bold for our families and, and, and for Christ. You know, it takes a lot to step out and want to say that I've got to do what's right. I found the truth. I know what the Bible says now. 
And you notice what they said there. The people were grieved that they preached, uh, that they taught the people and preached through Jesus in the resurrection from the dead. You see, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in those things. And they tried to maintain a relationship with the Roman government to keep their status where it needed to be, if you will. And they were willing to, to jeopardize what, what they had learned and they were holding on to that old law and, and, and uh, didn't believe in the Messiah and the Word of God. Boldness in the daily life of our families. We can see great boldness from three friends. If you remember in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Daniel and his friends thrown into the fiery furnace. If you remember, Daniel was told, don't be praying. He had to be bold, didn't he? In our world today, people try to stomp out Christianity and the, and the events of Christianity. They say, don't, don't pray publicly. We need to pray every time we can publicly. Don't attend those services. We need to attend every time we can. Don't do those godly things, they say. You see, it takes boldness. It takes boldness to be a godly family. We've got a lot of families sitting here, extended families today. But you think about the scripture that's on the screen, Ephesians 6 and verse 4. It starts out about children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Children, oh, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now notice it in verse 4. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We fathers have a big, responsibility in our homes. Bring them up in the nurture, the chastening, the ways of the Lord. Not the world, but the Lord. And the only way we're going to know what that is is to study the ways of God. You want your children to do right. You want your children to go to heaven. It starts when they're down here, not when they're up here. It starts when they're little to develop that love for going to church, that love for Bible study, that love for being with Christian people, that's where it starts. 
And then we hope and pray that you've raised them when you sent them out into the world to have their own homes and families. You hope that you've done the best you can and they remain faithful to God. That only comes from being bold in serving Christ. Being bold for Christ means doing godly things, speaking godly things. A family that encourages fun, godly activities and not permitting drunken parties or sinful activities in the home is showing boldness. A family that places God at the top of their schedule and not worldly events is a family who is being bold for God. A family that worships God not because it's expected of them. I have to go. But because they love the Lord. You see, until... We fix that part in our lives. We've missed the mark of putting God first. You know, I've come to the conclusion that you should not have to beg people, especially Christians, to do the right thing. If we love God like we should love God, no preacher, no elder, no deacon, no, fur, or no friend, a Christian friend sitting next to you should have to beg you to do what's right. That's what it boils down to. We get ourselves, we preachers get ourselves into positions to where literally we beg people. We beg people to do what's right. But no one should have to beg you to put the Lord first. Because when you became a Christian and was baptized into Christ, you promised God and Jesus that you would do that. Boldness for Christ, for our families. Standing for Christ with courage. Being bold for Christ means discussing that Bible and commands with those who just may not agree with you. Being bold for Christ. Number three, boldness is rewarded. If you notice in Acts 4 and in 31 of the same chapter in which we've been studying this morning. It says to us there, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with what? Boldness. 
You know, you go back in the very beginning of chapter 4, they had preached and some 5,000 men had obeyed. That's not counting everybody else. They were filled with the gospel, the gospel message. And after that, Peter and John <coughs> were arrested and, and then they were released because they couldn't find anything to punish them for. They told them to quit preaching in the name of Christ. They prayed. And because they were bold in regards to their willingness to teach and to preach, they were blessed by it. Mark 8 and 38 says, For the man who is ashamed of me and to deny me before men, I'll deny him before God, right? Boldness is rewarded. In conclusion, godly boldness is important. This morning I ask you, are you bold enough this morning? You think about this. Are you bold enough this morning to be the Christian God needs you to be in this world? Are you bold enough? Or are you weak? Do you lack the courage to stand for what's right? It seems like lately, wherever I go, I just hear all kind of language, and people talking about things they shouldn't be talking about, people being dishonest. It just seems like it's been over flooded here lately for some reason. We've got to be bold and do what's right. Demas was bold, if you remember, in Colossians 4 and 14. He'd forsake them for the present world. He went back. He lost his boldness, 2 Timothy 4 and 10. Do you have the boldness to stand up for Christ and the Bible in this world that despises Christianity? Paul wrote, didn't he? In Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. He made a promise. He had a commitment. I'm not ashamed. And this morning, have you lost that commitment? Or maybe you need to make that commitment. Will you be bold today? Will you confess Jesus and be baptized? Believe in him. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16 and 16. Acts 2 and 38 we referenced early where it says repent of those sins Peter told them and be baptized into him. Live for him faithfully. Maybe this morning you need to confess sin and be restored back to the fold. If there's sin in your life and maybe it happened a year ago, two years ago and you've not repented and confessed that sin it's still there. God does not forget. Men do. And we think that time will take away sin. Time doesn't. Maybe you need to be bolder in your homes. Maybe you need to be a better uh, husband and father and, and, and be the spiritual leader of your home that God and, and the Bible tells us to be. 
Maybe you have not lived up to that. And you need to say, I need to be a better father. I need to be a better grandmother, a grandfather, aunt, an uncle, a brother or sister. I need to be a better co-worker. I need to be a better church member. Whatever the case may be, be bold this morning and turn away from the world and the, and, and the sin of Satan that he has entrapped you in. Be bold today for Christ. As together we stand and as we sing.